Shachtan, an Indo Askelige. Time in Mon Irok the Yen of Chacht Erachor, Agasuligum, a Makan Shaw, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfein. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nach Vetok, Ara, Igornamion, and Kestian Echo. Vien Talam again Omgrev, Orkar Nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. Listen and follow the Left Wing Rugby Podcast with me, Will Slattery and Luke Fitzgerald. As far as I can see, I always want to get in the Irish team. And that should be every young player's dream and ambition in this country. And if you're playing in a place where you're not going to get the opportunities in the big games, that they're the ones that get you picked. They are the ones, the Champions Cup games are the ones that get you picked. You need to be playing in a team and starting in a team for those games. It's as simple as that if you want to play in the Irish team. Every week on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Neffert will meet on the 25th, the Cabinet Covid Committee will meet on the 27th and we'll have a Cabinet meeting on the 31st to sign off on a roadmap for the next phase and, and also reopening the remaining, remaining sectors of society. The government will publish a new roadmap for the lifting of Covid-19 restrictions at the end of the month, but already it has been branded too little, too late by many in the events industry. Justin Green, spokesperson for the Event Industry Alliance, believes the sector has been discriminated against at a time when 40,000 fans are allowed inside Crow Park. But enough is enough, and it's now time for Michal Martin to consider his position in view of what, on one side he says, he can't allow a sector fully reopen, a sector of 35,000 people that is worth 3.5 billion to the economy. And yet he does a U-turn and does the exact opposite. For those who work in the industry like nightclub owner Ian Redmond, it has been disheartening to see the goalposts continually moving. The goalposts are being moved so far. And then to, to see on Taoiseach at Croke Park yesterday, you know, with 44,000 others walking out of crowded streets. And like a lot, of, a lot on social media yesterday, and someone commented, but it's a bit different. Oh, they're outdoors and your nightclub is indoors. How is it different? It's one rule for the GAA and it's one rule for uh, the publicans and nightclub operators. You know, it's, it's, it's so disheartening. With COVID cases rising and schools and colleges returning, it's unlikely that more measures will be relaxed before the end of September. The thousands of people who work in the events industry are making more noise than ever. But are they being listened to? For independent.ie, I'm Kevin Doyle. This week on In Focus... What will it really take to reopen the events sector? Philip Ryan, political editor with the Irish Independent. What is the government's plan for putting together a plan for the live events sector? Well, for the coming days, what we know is that the National Public Health Emergency Team, they'll meet on Wednesday. They'll discuss the the latest trajectory of the virus. They will look at transmission levels. They will look at what they believe are safe levels of reopening, what restrictions can be eased, how fast they can be eased, and when they can be eased, most importantly. 
And, and then after that, on Friday, the Cabinet Committee on COVID-19, this powerful group of, um, of ministers and the Taoiseach will meet the National Public Health Emergency Team. They'll meet the HSE's Chief Executive, Paul Reid, and they will discuss what can be done and, and what, what they believe. That they, they will essentially discuss what is being presented to them and tease it out. Those people will leave, the, the public health officials, the HSE officials will leave, and then the, the ministers on their own will decide what can be done, what level of easing of restrictions can be done over the coming weeks and months. Like, this is going to go on for a long time. Then you're going to have a whole weekend to wait, and journalists will be trying to find out what exactly was said at that. I mean, what is the plan? And then you're going to have to wait until Tuesday of the following week on August 31st, where the full cabinet meeting was, where all ministers will sit and meet and discuss the final plan before it's signed off and then announced at some stage that day. Uh, what we have said for some time is that by the end of August, uh, we will put a clear roadmap in place for the next stage, which will include live events and so on. Um, and that will be in place by the end of the month. The government is very aware uh, that it's been extraordinarily stressful and difficult for them. They are rightly demanding certainty and timelines around that certainty. And we certainly will be able to give them that before the end of the month. So August 31st is the day that we get the plan, but it's not exactly going to be a brave new world from the 1st of September based on what you're saying there, because we've seen over the last few weeks and indeed last couple of months, really, at this stage, the numbers are creeping up and up and up. And there is this, there seems to be this tension building again between NEFID and the health officials and between ministers and what they think the public will actually accept at this point. Yeah, naturally, there's a bit of frustration there. And there has always been that frustration and that tension, as you call it, between the public health and between the government. There's ministers in cabinet that are tearing their hair out going like, why are we, like for instance, let's say, why can as many vaccinated people as you like have in your house? You could have 500 people in your house if you could fit them. I know you live in a nice big house there in Glasnevin. <laughs> so you could have 500 vaccinated people in that house squashed together, but you can't go to the theatre. You couldn't go watch a show. You couldn't go watch a gig, comedy show, anything like that, even if you're vaccinated. You can go to a pub if you're vaccinated, but you can't do things like that. Go to a show, go to a play, anything like that. So, so pe- people naturally enough in cabinet, especially the arts minister, arts and culture minister, Catherine Martin, are going, why is this? Why is there this disparity there? And then, of course, we had yesterday, um, on Sunday, we had the All-Ireland Final with 40,000 people in uh, Crow Park and crawling around the north side Dublin on top of each other, drinking all day, watching Cork getting destroyed by uh, Limerick. And and the sectors are, are looking at that going like, well, how is that allowed and we can't have this? You mentioned Catherine Martin. She is the Minister for Sport and also the Minister for, for Arts and Culture. So how is it that she could get 40,000 people into Crow Park and yet she can't get, say, 500 people into uh, the, the Gaiety Theatre or wherever? The reality is she's, she's Minister for Sport in name only. She has derogated those responsibilities to the Government Chief Whip, who's um, uh, Jack Chambers. So, so he has those responsibilities. He has been driving the reopening plan for sports. Um, there was no cabinet decision to take that, to increase those amounts. That decision was done um, uh, unilaterally by the Taoiseach and, and Jack Chambers. It was just announced one day. It wasn't like the, the ministers got around and said, let's sign off and uh, have 40,000 people in Crow Park. That's, that's just not how it happened. And But it, but it is, and it happened, and we, people will see, and, and hopefully there will be no major breakouts from that, and it was an outdoor event. So... But at the same time, our arts minister is looking on going, well, there's 40,000 people. Why can't I have, like, say, 200 in Vicar Street watching a show? It 
doesn't make sense, Philip, anymore, right? So we're talking about the 40,000 in Crow Park uh, at the All-Ireland Final. We're talking about not being allowed into live music events or theatre or, or comedy shows, anything like that. At the same time, that 40,000 last weekend, there's an All-Ireland semi-final next weekend, Tyrone and Kerry. And there's only 24,000 allowed at that next weekend. And then whoever qualifies for the All-Ireland Final, which is in September now, uh, against Mayo, they'll have 40,000 again at that. It doesn't make sense. No, and the, these are the, the the figures that were put down. And there, there has been no logic, there's been no explanation for these figures or, or why they were presented as this. Um, you could put it down to, in some respect, I suppose, it's to do with... Um, the, the, the want the amount of people who want the tickets perhaps but I'm sure you could fill 40,000 people for Kerry and Tyrone maybe you could definitely fill um, 80 for the, the All-Ireland Final um, that's generally there but they're going with half so no there's no logic to be honest with you on why these figures are there You uh, did an interview with the Taoiseach last week and you actually text me beforehand going, have you any questions and I, I sent you one which I'd love to know if you got the answer to which is Ireland boasts the highest or very close to the highest, I think the second highest vaccination take up in all of Europe. We have had the toughest restrictions. We're one of very few countries now where you can't have live music or entertainment events still in Europe. And yet we have one of the highest COVID rates in Europe. How does that happen? This is something that ministers are all asking themselves. The Taoiseach is asking himself this. The Taoiseach put that question to um, the public health uh, team there, to Philip Nolan, to Tony Holohan, to Ronan Glynn or whoever else was at the meeting. And in his own words, or, or in some who were at that meeting anyway, that, that they don't really know the answer to that. It's kind of, it's a quandary. It's something that they, it, it is, it seems like we're an outlier and it, there, there is no rhyme or reason for it. One of the, the two things that they point to that, that are possible reasons are one, um, we're a younger population in most parts of Europe. Um, um, by age and we haven't got those cohorts done the under 30s are still there's still a, a bit of work to be done there from 12 to 30 years old and then on top of that um, blame the Brits because we're so close to Northern Ireland and Britain we're kind of intrinsically linked with that country and have been for centuries because um, and, and and they have a very low level of vaccination they, they have they, they they started off quite well, but they've kind of plateaued, and the, and the level of vaccination isn't very high over there, and there's a very high case numbers, and that comes back and forth to us, especially when the north. You see, the north has the same level, if not higher, of daily case numbers as us, with a kind of a quarter of our population. So you, you can see that, and you can see with the daily figures as well, broken down by counties, that it is those border communities where it is the higher level. So you have your Donegal's, your your Cavan Monaghan. There's big spikes there of the virus. So it it is. Is, it, is it, that is one of the factors anyway, the back and forth movement between the north and, and the east-west between Britain and Ireland. Justin Green, spokesperson for the Event Industry Alliance. You're particularly annoyed at the scenes you saw from Crow Park over the weekend and the idea that among that 40,000 crowd was Taoiseach Michal Martin. Well, I suppose we're, we're not annoyed at the actual event itself. And we welcome, we work very closely with a lot of uh, sporting organisations, including the GAA. And it's great to actually have sporting events to bring, you know, some excitement into the lives after uh 
period that we've just gone through. I suppose uh, our annoyance and uh, we think it's an absolute disgrace that Micheál Martin on one hand rejects our event sector's proposals uh, for fully vaccinated um, patrons to attend live events uh, with enhanced protocols, including the fact that they would not only have to provide a COVID certificate, but also the fact that we would provide contact tracing for HSE, temperature checks, etc. And having rejected those proposals, he then attends an event with 40,000 people at it that has zero testing requirement, zero proof of vaccination required, and zero contact tracing. And at this stage, uh, in view of the fact that he also didn't attend the event industry meeting last week with Catherine Martin, having been invited by her, uh, we think that his position is totally untenable at this stage and um, that he should really consider his own position um, because there is definitely discrimination. And all we're looking for is an equal playing field for a sector that has been shut down you know, for the last 18 months. You have to remember that our sector has stood by and has stood in harmony for the better of Ireland during the past 17 months. We were asked to close down for the greater good of everyone else. We have done that. We have done everything that has been asked for it, asked of us. But enough is enough. And it's now time for Micheál Martin to consider his position in view of what, on one side, he says, he can't allow a sector fully reopen, a sector of 35,000 people that is worth 3.5 billion to the economy. And yet he does a U-turn and does the exact opposite. Justin, the events industry have been looking for September 1st as the date to get back out there and have live events again. Realistically, that's not going to happen at this stage. The The road plan has only been made next week. Well, we we have been calling on for the 1st of September and what we're looking for is fully vaccinated patrons to only attend. So there's no reason why it can't happen. Um you know, what we're looking at doing is putting in protocols that are greater than the current protocols in place for international travel, for um, the restaurant and hospitality sector, and even to attend events in Northern Ireland or in the UK. I mean, we're fully equipped. We're used to dealing with numbers. We're used to running events. I mean, it's ironic the fact that when the government need to stage a major event, they actually come to event promoters and to the main event promoters, you know, when they're organizing the visit of um, presidential visits, the visit of the Queen, you know, the Special Olympics that took place years ago at Crow Park, or even if you look at the recent uh, visit of the Pope, the event sector was right, was involved in that right across in every element. And it's ironic now that the government are saying that, you know, that they can't, uh, or that they won't allow us reopen, despite the fact that we're proposing, you know, these enhanced measures that every other country is using. Ian Redmond, owner of Tramline Nightclub on Delir Street, you've been out of business for 18 months, effectively, and you're looking at probably several more months. But tell me about your nightclub. What, what was it like in the old days at this stage? 
but I started out in the nightclub business back in, in the mid 90s and being a DJ I set up a business called Star DJs and I DJed in all the clubs around town and it was fantastic bought my first nightclub in 2005 it was the old Tower Club or Coyote Lounge and we opened it as the 21 Club and it was fantastic from 2005 till November 2008 till the recession it was just it was fantastic we had Rihanna in, we had Chris Brown in, Will Farrell in. It was just amazing. The atmosphere, the, the people coming through the doors, the crowd, the sense of uh, fulfillment from running a successful nightclub. It was just amazing. Absolutely loved it. Then in the bar business, uh, Flannery's on Camden Street, bars at Dublin Airport. And um, then we opened Tramline, which is uh, my current venture, on uh, September or August 2017. We absolutely gutted the place, took out 80 skip loads and did a huge capital expenditure job on fitting it out. And we've a state-of-the-art, lovely live music venue stroke nightclub in the heart of Dublin city centre. It's only 100 metres from here, just on O'Connell Bridge. So then came along the 12th of March and the announcement from uh, Antonis, the Antishak at the time, Leo Varadkar, uh, asking us all to kind of join in and... Um, closed temporarily. We did that and since then we haven't had one patron through the door since the 12th of March uh, 2000 and last year, 20. Describe that as best you can remember, but describe those last days before the pandemic, before when COVID was still that far away thing uh, that maybe we read about on the world pages. Describe th- those last nights that you can remember in Tramline. Uh, well, th- they were actually midweek nights and uh, they were good student nights. That they-, they weren't the big, huge nights. and n- uh, So there was nothing memorable other than just being great nights. Um, uh, you know, I suppose I had just come back from uh, midterm break with my, my sons had brought them to, uh, on a bit of a road trip and I uh, was looking forward to getting into the kind of uh, uh, the run up to St Paddy's Day and uh, uh, the excitement that was g- going to be like coming in, coming into the busy time of the year, and then it just it just ended and uh, we we closed there. We closed our bars in Dublin Airport and uh, we closed our brand new bar Ohana Tiki Lounge, um, uh, which which was a shame. It had only opened six weeks beforehand, and we were running that for a fantastic um, uh, group of people and uh, huge expense again put into that. And, I suppose that now we're just looking for a roadmap to get back open. We've no direction, no clarification, nothing. That must be heartbreaking though. You you only open the bar and six weeks later you're shut. You thought, okay, we little bump in the road. Yeah. And now a year and a half later. And we had put together the best team of staff, like people who are so enthusiastic about making these fantastic cocktails. And then to have to close the door six weeks later and think it was only two weeks, three weeks, two months, four months, and here we are, 17 months later, and we're, we're still closed. Um, you know, the momentum that it took to build that and open it from Tramline as well, uh, um, like the, the, the energy that went into the branding and the marketing and building up the word of mouth and like uh, that whole generation now uh, of the last two years have kind of missed. So we're, we're going to have to start again, essentially. So I suppose we're we're calling on the government to give us some sort of clarity in terms of a roadmap as to when they think we can open. And then we can plan because the moment we're in limbo and we just can't plan, we need to to look for 
brilliant team of staff again. A lot of them have moved on. I just congratulated one of my barbacks this morning who got uh, promoted in Accenture. Fantastic career move. He moved on. Uh, and, you know, so there's a lot of people have left the industry. And, um, you know, so and the younger people coming up, I, like I see a, a lot of the people working in bars are now are 16, 17 and 18 year olds uh, because they're not on the PUP. And that's a big problem because while the PUP is there at excessive rate, which a lot of us believe of 350 for some people, uh, you know, who may have only been students and earning 200 a week, um, you know, there's no enticement for them to come back to a part-time job of 16 hours a week, you know. Do you accept as a nightclub, whatever about the wider live events industry, as a nightclub, you are very much at the back of the queue. In fact, I, I'm not sure the government are even talking about a nightclub. We're at the back of the bus. We are most certainly uh, very much uh, at the very back, yeah. So we fall into the category. We formed uh, the Nightclub and Late Bar Association last July with some of the, uh, the main players in Dublin City, Cahill Jackson from Copper's Face, Jack Sparn McGill and Paddy McGowan, all the big players. And... You know, we meet every week and we discuss how we're going to how we're going to uh, move forward. How uh, what are the rumours we're hearing, and um, you know, and it very much looks like at this stage that it may be next year because we are so far at the back of the bus. What like, what can you do? What can you when ministers sit down as a nightclub owner? I'm I'm trying to imagine. How do you go to a nightclub with social distancing or how do you make people wash their hands with, with, with in the bathroom while singing happy birthday twice and all the you, things you that have become uh, natural? Like nightclubs are about boy meets girl, boy meets boy, girl meets girl. It's about going to a club and dancing your heart out and uh, getting close and sweating. Uh, and yeah, it, 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 it's not ideal. So until we have herd immunity or... Uh, mass vaccination where people are protected but it's it's so disheartening hearing uh, you know oh well if you've had the double jab now you might have to have the triple jab before you can go to a nightclub or um, you know like when will it change it's just the goalposts are being moved so far and then to, to see on Taoiseach at Croke Park yesterday you know 44,000 others and walking out of crowded streets and like a lot of a lot on social media yesterday and someone commented but it's a bit different Oh, they're outdoors and your nightclub is indoors. How is it different? It's one rule for the GAA and it's one rule for uh, the publicans and nightclub operators. You know, it's, it's, it's so disheartening. Get us on the roadmap. We need some clarity. You know, we've, we've investment, huge investment in our businesses and uh, responsibilities to our creditors and to our shareholders. And we, we just need to get back open. And what if they say to you, 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 you think it might be next year. What if they say, get through the winter let's see where we are in February, March, and they gave you that kind of a vague line. Would that be happy? Would you go away then for the next six months and, and live with that? Well, not, not a let's see where we are in March. If they said you can open on the 20th of March after what was Paddy, going to be Paddy's Day, if they're going to cancel Paddy's Day again, well, then we could have something we could work towards. We could mop all things once again, even though we've started to build plans uh, and we could... Um, we could have some idea. It would be a shame, but like again, we look at all the other countries around Europe that are opening successfully. Yeah, we, we just accept it, but we'd call on the government to, to maintain the subsidies that they're, they're providing, the restart grants, uh, Dublin City Council to maintain the, the weight thriver on our businesses and just ask for patience from our, our, our suppliers and our creditors that we will get back trading and we will be more successful than we were before because there's a huge demand, a huge demand to get back open and for our customers to come dancing again. 
That was Ian Redmond, owner of Tramline Nightclub, and you also heard Justin Green, spokesperson for the Event Industry Alliance, and Irish independent political editor Philip Ryan. You can get all the latest reporting and analysis on the COVID-19 restrictions from our team on independent.ie and subscribe to In Focus wherever you get your podcasts. This episode was produced by Gordon Hayden, researched by Mary Carroll and sound designed by John Smith. 